Welcome to a special edition of the OTP, the official Titans podcast. There are three people who have microphones today, and I don't know who is more excited about this weekend. A.B. Adam Strunk, Titans controlling owner, is here. Robert Brazil, 2018 Pro Football Hall of Famer, number 312 out of 318, is here. And I'm Mike Keith. I'm excited to be with the two of you. Robert, I know you're excited about this weekend to be in Nashville, but I want to start with Amy. You're excited about all of this and what this weekend means to 60 years of franchise history to your dad and to this organization today. Tell us about your emotions about this this whole thing that has gone on and been so special with Robert Brazil making the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, as you can imagine um – we were just so proud of Robert and just so excited that he wanted to be here in Nashville to accept his ring. And so this is a big weekend and we're just thrilled about everything. And we're just excited to, to be with Robert and, you know, let, let the fans of Nashville learn a little bit of, of their history, of the Titan history. I mean, we all have a history, sure, and we, we need to protect it and cherish it, and the Oilers were our history, and I think it's kind of time that we kind of explored it a little bit. So, you know, for me, it was a just an opportunity to kind of bridge the gap between the two teams. All right, I got to give him the proper introduction. Sixth pick in the 1975 draft out of That's Jackson right. State, went to Viger High School in Pritchard, Alabama. <laughs> oh, yes. Sendarek Marks, oh yes, second round pick of your Tennessee Titans in two thousand. You coached him. Yes, he's one yes. of our favorites. We loved Sin. I love him still. Love, today. love Sin. A great one. So you go to Jackson State, sixth overall pick in the in the nineteen seventy five draft. Ten years with the Oilers. You only went to seven Pro Bowls in ten years. Only seven. Only seven. <laughs> Five times you oh. were all pro, which is unreal, which is a much bigger honor even than the Pro Bowl. 1,281 tackles. Wow. 48 sacks. And an innovator at the outside linebacker position in the 3-4. One of the very first. And when people have seen you, they still marvel at what a big man you <laughs> remain today. As you approach, I guess, your 70th birthday. Is no, 65. Okay, 65. So, the bottom line is, for this to happen after waiting for it for 34 years. 34 years. Make it even sweeter? It's sweeter than sweet. Um, when Amy reached out to me, I was a lost kid. You know, when I say that to the NFL, I didn't have a home. You know, for years and years and years when other teams and other teammates of mine would go to their homecoming. I haven't made a homecoming. Amy reached out last year and gave us our first reunion. And that day I felt so much energy and so much love with her and her organization. Even the head coach, me and him sit there and we talked about today. I didn't know when it was going to happen and what day it was, but it's happening right now that one day when I became a Hall of Famer, 
that I can become a Titan also. <laughs> so when I got the opportunity to give back to her with this visit and her to see me, witness me being, getting that gold ring, it was like heaven. It was like, you know, my mom, my dad, my whole family's here. And for the love that we share, this relationship with me and her goes way back through her dad. I mean, me and her dad was like, woo. That was my man. Number one, his checks never bounced. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had so much respect for him. And every time I asked him for something, he gave me an honest answer. And that's what, you know, today. And for me to be here with Amy, it's a pleasure. It's really a pleasure for me and a blessing. Your dad had such, I mean, genuine love for his players. And, and starting back, we've heard all the stories about Billy Cannon and, mm-hmm. and all the way through um, – the group in the 70s into the early 80s was a group that he held dear, especially the teams in the late 70s who were so good. Oh, yes. So good. What do you remember, Amy? Well, I mean, that was the Love Your Blue age. So you had Bum Phillips, oh, who yeah. was the most unique person you could ever be around. He was just wonderful. And, you know, those teams – that. It was a magical time in Houston. I mean, they caught fire not only in Houston, but kind of all over the country because it was fun. We were, you know, the uh, we. I, I, I hate to say cowboys, but, I mean, you know, we had the cowboy hats and the boots, right. and it was just all so different. And here you had Bum, this folksy guy that homespun lots of bummerisms. <laughs> as, yes. And word. he was just um, – it was just really, really fun, really fun. And though we didn't get to the Super Bowl, you know, it was still we were on fire. Close. And close. we were close. close. We, were, we close. were close. But they were gritty, determined teams. You know, and they kind of remind me of how we are now. I mean, you know, nothing happens easily if it's worth having. Right. Got to work for it, Amy. You, you Got to work for it. And that's it. what he said. He said, Robert told me how, you know, he was a workout horse. And he just wasn't ever satisfied being good. He wanted to be great. Right. And I see our players. Doing it now. I saw it today. I see it. I mean, when I met the coach, I said, this coach is so ready to go to coach. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I say the smartest people on the field. All you see lying, why like, guys want to play for Mike Brown. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I want to play for him tomorrow. I mean, Sunday. <laughs> I get one play and please let me go, Mike. Let me go. But this, this, since I've been here, you got to understand when you're an athlete and being an athlete, you can feel the energy and the love. You know, I've been to a lot of the locker rooms. But the day at this practice when I got grown men on one knee paying attention to what's being said and soaking it in like a sponge. I mean, it was it made me feel good to be able to talk to these guys and to see their expressions of what I had to say. Oh, man, I felt like a gold jacket today. I felt like a Hall of Famer today. And they all were coming up and thanking him. Sure. I mean, it, it was just really – so neat to see our players get so excited was, about what Robert had to say and, you know, the respect they had for him. And this morning before Robert got here, they showed a little video of, you know, some of his plays and the, and the players were just, you know, enthralled. And the one thing they that Mike said was this man played 10 years and did not miss a game. A game. And you heard the whole room of players gasp. Sure. 
I mean, that's just amazing. Well, we mentioned he was the sixth overall pick. Can I go back through the top part of that draft? Yes. And listen to who, who he is among. Atlanta had the first pick. They took quarterback Steve Bartkowski out of Cal. Ended up taking them where they had never been Big. before. He's That's true. Not a Hall of Famer, but a very good NFL Great quarterback. Great player. At number two, the Dallas Cowboys selected the Manster, Randy, Randy White. White. Out of Maryland. It. He was a linebacker at Maryland, became a down defensive tackle with the, with the Dallas Cowboys. He is in the Pro Football Hall of Hall Fame. Hall of Fame. At number three, the Baltimore Colts selected Ken Huff, a guard out of North Carolina. He only played 145 NFL games. games. Pretty good. Pretty good. Again, not a Hall of Famer, but that's a pretty good career. At number five, I'm going to skip to five, a guy named Mac Mitchell. a Trust me, I'm coming back. Mac Mitchell, a defensive end out of the University of Houston for the the Cleveland Browns. He didn't have a great career. You were number six six out of Jackson State. But you were not the first Jackson State player taken in the draft at number four. Four. The Chicago Bears select Walter Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Yes. What a year. That's pretty good. That's real good. (laughs) Now, how did you get to know Walter Payton? Well, I'm going to take you way back when I was getting ready to sign. I had actually signed a letter of intent with Troy State in Alabama. Okay. Now, Amos met my mom. Whatever she said, we do it. And we're talking about four grown men, my, me and my two brothers and my dad. My mom had never visited Troy State. Wrong time of the year for us to take my mama to Troy State. We drive up on campus. Everybody in Troy is suntanning. You got to remember now, this is back in the 60s, right. My mama said, turn the car around. <laughs> He cannot go to school here. Ain't nobody got no clothes on. <laughs> so my dad turned the car around. Went Did back he really? It, it turned it around right then. We didn't even see the coach. When the coach called, we was in Mobile. She said, now nah, you need to find another school. I had a cousin that was playing for Jackson. His name was Anthony Gibbs. We called Anthony. I said, could you call Bob Hill to see if we could come up and visit the college? It was Ricky Young and myself. We drove up. Knocked on Bob's door. Bob never looked at me. He looked down at Ricky's legs and said, hmm, you play running back? He said, yeah. You want to play running back for me? Yeah, I need somebody to block for Walter Payton. We never knew who Walter Payton was. I said, Coach, what about me? He said, you got to make my team. I was a walk-on at Jackson. You didn't know that, right? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. I was a walk-on. The first time I met Walter, we were sneaking out of the dormitory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Both of us, because at, at Jackson, we had a curfew at 10.30. I was so bored after the curfew, I had wanted to go work out. Walter was doing the same exact thing. I finally found somebody that wanted to work out with me. So that's how our relationship grew. Me and him would work, go to the weight room or jog all across Jackson at night when everybody was in the locker room. Now, could you run the hills and do everything he did? I taught Walter how to do that. Seriously, <laughs> where did you first run? Run? I mean, because we've seen all the videos. When in I Jackson, was a kid, we, we okay. had heels in Jackson. Okay. We, I mean, we jog from we run heels, and also we would jog like from Jackson to the zoo. That was our biggest thing at night. And Just, that, so uh, you weren't sneaking out to get in trouble. No, we were sitting making us gold jackets. That's right. So we that's how you it. get a gold jacket. That's how you get a gold jacket. <laughs> Where, did you ever room with Walter? Was he your roommate? Yes. What was that like? 
Scary. Scary? Walter played jokes on everybody. Oh, yeah. He loved to pinch. He loved to uh, bite. Bite? Yes, he would bite you on the shoulder. I mean, while you sleep, he'd get us bite you. Because he couldn't sleep. I never saw this guy just actually. We all went to sleep before Walter went to sleep. And if you got up the next morning, he would have an egg or something in your shoe. He's always playing pranks on you. But the pinch thing where he would, it was basically your butt, right? Right. And he would use the two fingers. How do you know that? Well, I mean, I saw the, I've read the stories. (laughs) He never pinched me, thank goodness. But, I mean, I've read the stories that it would leave like marks forever. because he would hurt you. That's how he initiated rookies. He would come up and pinch their. He He started that at Jackson State. Was he as amazing at Jackson State as he was in the NFL? You know what the or did he continue to develop, I guess is what no, I'm asking. No, 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 no. Walter's been Walter all his life. You know, me being who I was and I could keep up with him and run with him, Walter always amazed me or something new he would put in the game. You know, I couldn't walk on my hands, but Walter could probably outrun the average person on his hands. How, how far could he throw a football? 100 yards. How – now, he could kick? He could kick. He could pass. He could run. He'd do anything you want to do with football but uh, eat it. <laughs> wow. Were you surprised that he went on to eclipse Jim Brown's record? No. You were not? No. Because he worked at it. I mean, I know his work habit carried over from college over into the pros because, as you know, if you kept up with his career, I would ask him what he was doing on the off season. We all came to Jackson one year after our rookie year. We worked out together. I said, he's going to be all right. And he said, you're going to be okay. The problem was we was always worried about Ricky, Ricky Young. Ricky Young was the one that was lazy. He was the one who wanted to say, y'all don't need to go work out. I don't want to work out. But we kept pushing him and pushing him. So it turned out to be great for all of us. Jackson State have a few battles with Tennessee State in those days? No, we didn't play Tennessee State. You didn't? No, Bob Hill and um, Coach Merritt was good friends. So they wouldn't play each other? They wouldn't play each other. It, first it, time, in first, spite of the fact you were both powerhouses. Powerhouses, but they never wanted to play each other. After I left Jackson. They started playing. They started playing each other. I had no idea. Because I, I grew up watching Tennessee State, State play, play Jackson The State. first time I met Joe Gilliam was on our practice field. They was borrowing our field to practice to go play either Southern or Gramlin. They came there and stayed in Jackson. When you went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer, did you get to go spend time and just sort of look at Walter Payton's bust and just stand there and, and have all these memories? You want to make me cry? No. <laughs> I don't. No, no, but, but seriously, I, but I, I think know about exactly. all the special things that you've gotten to do, and I would think for the two of you who used to sneak out of the dorm to go work out, to have the, to, to have the ability to stand there and think, there's my guy, and now I'm part of this club – there are 318 members of this club. True, true, true. I, I mean, it's it, it's unreal. My moment with Walter at the hall, actually I snuck away from the group that I was with. Uh, it was Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, and myself went up for our orientation. And all of them was just running. I went straight to Walter. And I looked him in his eyes. And I said, I'm here, buddy. And... That got emotional. Now, 
just thinking about it, you're going to see me cry. Don't make me cry up here in Tennessee. I'm, I'm trying to get these guys to be my on my side. I want to be one of these titans. I want these guys to say he's a big old crybaby. <laughs> I think they'd understand. But it was very emotional for me because I knew what we had done for each other. You know, I did not go to his Hall of Fame induction, and he knew why I didn't go because he said, I want you to go in the same year I was going in. We want to go in together like we, you know, we came in the league together. But it didn't happen that way. And I was actually mad. I told Amy the story about this, what happened to me. And it's very tragic. It's not tragic, would you say, Amy, but it was very, it hurt me when I, how I left the NFL. Right. You know, I tell people it was all about the knocks and the telephone calls. I got a knock in 1985 that destroyed me. It took all the love that I had for the game that I put so much into, and I would not watch or cared about football for years. It was one Sunday, I was visiting my mom, and she stopped me. She said, hey, I know you don't watch football, but you need to watch that guy on TV. He was number 52, and that guy was Ray Lewis. Yeah. And she said, uh, sit down, and I did. In three plays, he changed my whole outlook on football. What he had done in three plays. He forced a fumble, made a quarterback sack, and an interception. It wasn't against us, was it? <laughs> no, it was Okay, wasn't. good. Because I, I mean, he, he did that to us, yeah. I mean, way too much. <laughs> no, but the guy was un- remarkable. Yes. And she said, uh, he wears 52. And I said, Mother, I'll start, start watching him, but I'm not going to watch football. I never told nobody to stir what happened to me. I got a knock on the door in the Hall of Fame game. In the Hall of Fame game. I got Lawrence Taylor with the Giants that we're going to play in the Hall of Fame game. Me and Lawrence talking to each other on the telephone like, this is our year. This is our year. Two hours before the game, you're not going to start. After 10 Ironman seasons, never missing the game. That's how I got cut. And that ended it. That day. And you were that bitter. That what about me? I mean, I should have been. I mean, well, sure. You're I was hurt. I was hurt. I was yeah. really, really hurt. Not because I wanted to just show ta- showcase my talent. This was the time I was at the prime of my year. I just lost my wife in a car accident. I said, I can go out on a high note if I play this game here and have a good season. Wow. And so for ten years, you had nothing. You didn't watch the game. No, I started playing tennis fishing and didn't everything but watching football. And in Alabama, that's real easy when Alabama playing. <laughs> had you ever heard that? I Today. Okay. I, I had never heard that. I did not I know. didn't tell nobody. That's why when my wife and I was preparing the speech, it was very easy for us. Right. I had 34 years to get that speech prepared. And it was just as simple. Knocks and telephone calls. Knocks and telephone calls. Okay. Tell me about the telephone call where you found out. Where you found out you were going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Me and my wife had been fishing overnight. Where had you gone? Uh, Dolphin Island. Oh, Dolphin Island. We fishing Beautiful. off the pier. And we had maybe too much fish to give away. So I called. she called one of her ex-sister-in-laws um, over to give some fish. And we were sitting on the couch across from them. And the phone call came. And I said, Brenda, this is Canton, Ohio. She said, what? I said, this is Canton, Ohio. She said, answer the phone. <laughs> so I answered, and it was Dave Baker. 
and I started to cry. I knew then that I was a finalist, and it was one of the greatest feelings that I've ever felt to know that football was finally saying back to me, Robert, we love you also. What What were the exact words you heard? This is Dave Baker from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We have some senior all of Hall of Fame voters here and two senior Hall of Famers, Carl Eller and Art Shell. Mr. Robert Brazil, let me be the first one to tell you, you're one of our 18 finalists to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. Just that simple. You know, I had to ask Robert, when they make that knock on the door, I mean, do they, is this really for real? And what happens if you don't get that knock? And you, go home. you explained so to me. So you're, let me let me backtrack just a second. So you're once you're a finalist, you get the phone call to find out you're a finalist. You're a finalist. I'm just a finalist. But you you but don't you, you don't no get, Hall of but Fame you yet. don't get a you don't get a phone call to tell you you're going in. There's a knock at the door. To the knock at the door. There's where, 18 of them. And where are you? You at the Super Bowl. You're at the Super Bowl. Okay, we're at the Super Bowl okay. in Minnesota. All right. Thursday they bring in all the finalists. So you got. Some more Hall of Famers there, and all the senior voters and other voters are there. They introduce each and every one of you. And at the end of the introduction, they'll say, now, we're going to pick eight Hall of Famers. Ten of you are going to go home. So this is your instruction. Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl, you have to be in your room at 3 o'clock. Either you're going to get a telephone call or you're going to get a nap. Telephone's look, not good. Telephone call. Telephone's you, not you, good. You don't not want good. the telephone call. I looked down to my right and I looked down to my left and I said to myself, now they said that they was taking two seniors. I hope they're telling me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so you're feeling good about your chances. But I'm feeling good about my chances, but there's still Jerry Kramer had been the Hall of Famer uh, a finalist before, and he like got cut a hundred times. A hundred times. I mean, but you know, in your heart, I mean, no, we, no, no, we no, know no. Jerry Kramer's going in this time. No, 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 you don't. Really? You don't. Okay. So that's morning. You get up. I mean, from that from that Thursday, you got Friday, then Saturday. Can you eat? Can no, you, you can't eat. You can't sleep. You don't want, I don't hear nothing. But Brenda saying it's going to be okay. Brenda kept telling me, which is my wife, telling me, it's going to be okay. They said they were going to take two senior finalists. So about one thirty, two o'clock, they ask you to be dressed once you get either the knock or the telephone call. When you get one or the other, you got to go either downstairs to be carried to the uh, honors night. Or you been if you got the knock, they're going to take you somewhere else oh. for honors night. <laughs> so I'm sitting here fully dressed. Radio. Brenda's in the, at, at the door in the peephole for three and a half hours. <laughs> okay, the funny thing about that, I didn't tell you, Amy, it was a maid knocking on the door. She said, she said, nah, this gonna, somebody going to knock on the door. She's telling me, somebody going to knock on the door, but they ain't the knock you want. I said, well, who is it? Tell them to get away from me. <laughs> so the maid, maid service, maid service, she said, man, we got everything we need. Please leave. Please leave. So she left. <laughs> That was like an hour and a half of this wait that we had to go through. I'm sitting here on the other side of the uh, wall. I could hear the phone ringing, and I knew someone who was in that room that got that telephone call. I look at my phone. I said, mm, it ain't happened. It ain't happened either way yet. This goes on for close to two hours. What time is it now? It's almost 430. Oh, gosh. 
I mean, I mean, you're I'm, dying at this point, aren't you? I'm hungry. I'm, I'm saying, Lord, just let something happen. <laughs> Dave Baker at the door. And he's a big man. Dave Baker, bigger than Robert Brazil. Mm-hmm. His hands are like two of my, one of, two of mine make one of his. He said, welcome to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, gosh. And he gives you this speech, and, and I'll tell you right then, when I think about what he said and I think about what he told me, you have to be in these cohorns that I got on, these shoes, to get the feeling. There's no words. There's nothing that somebody could tell you. I guess the, the closest I could say to a woman, and I've never had a baby, so I can't say. But they, you have to be in that woman's shoe to know what they is to have a baby. But to be in love, to want something so bad, and it happens, it really happened that day for me my life changed amy how fast did you find out or did you already know oh i was watching that day okay for all the knocks and whatnot i knew he was a finalist so i you know everything crossed and was so hopeful and so excited because he was so deserving and i was so it was a proud moment for sure i threw out the stats earlier in the show which stand alone but people don't realize let's take him back 43 years Two teams ran the 3-4. Right, right. Houston ran the 3-4, and the New England New Patriots, they, they were the only two teams. When you, you were a middle linebacker at Jackson State. True. Okay. So you come into the league 6'4", 241. Who makes you an outside backer in the 3-4, and who really teaches you to play this position in a way it had never been played before? And it, it was played by our coach in New England it's later true. on. It's it's played by Derek Morgan, Brian Arakpo, and Harold Landry, and Kamale Correa, and Sharif Finch for us now. It's accepted today. It's a big part of the game. You may have been the very first one to play it in this way. <laughs> Tell us how it happened. Well, when I got there, they had two middle linebackers, Steve Kiner and Greg Bingham. Steve Kiner. The strong side linebacker yeah. was Teddy Washington. They had an open over here, and a guy that was playing in front of me, his name was Dwayne Benson, which was a senator at that time. Mm-hmm. Dwayne didn't have the talent, but he had the knowledge. And with me being, you know, back then, you had to play in the college all-star game. So everybody went to Did training camp. you play camp. the Steelers? You played the Steelers. And you played at Soldier Field Soldier in Chicago. Field. I used what? to watch that game every summer. That was the <laughs> highlight of the summer. That's where like, I got the nickname Dr. Doom. I tell you, that's another okay, story. Okay, good, good. <laughs> we have all the time you want. So what we, what, we do, what we do when we get to the meeting, Dwayne grabs me and said, Big Home, sit right here. He said, uh, you know you're going to be taking care of my family for the, for the next three or four years, right? And I'm looking at him saying, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Excuse me. That's all right. So he said, they're going to put you at wheel linebacker. And I'm supposed to help you as much as I can. We got seven days to get ready for New England. Because, you know, we played, no, not New England, New Orleans Saints. Excuse okay. me. So I said, I got to learn all of this in seven days? I said, I'm a middle linebacker. He said, don't worry, I got you. Instead of us, Ed is putting stuff on the boat, which is our defensive coordinator. Me and him working on different things that he knew that would help me learn the system fast. We had signals. If he'd put up two fingers, I knew I had to be in the hook zone. If he put four fingers up, that means I had to go to the And this zone. is Dwayne. Dwayne Benson. I'm finna take the this guy. The guy you're taking his take, job. Taking his job. 
And he said, if I look at you and don't put up nothing, that means you rush. And all we did against New England, I mean, to New, the Saints was rush that, that night. And I come up with three sacks. So Had I, you ever really rushed a passer before? Yeah, I okay. did a lot of rushing in Jackson. I would shoot the gap whenever. My defensive coordinator, W.C. Gordon, let me play defense. He said, what you feel is what you do. Huh. You know, we, I had, we played a straight four, and I played in the middle. So uh, they saw this in you? Yes. They drafted me as an outside linebacker. I told Eddie one time, in joking, I said, if you wanted to go to the Super Bowl, you should have put me in the middle. <laughs> I think it worked out. It worked out great, man. I'm three. Th- I'm three hundred and twelve. What out of three eighteen? <laughs> Come on. All right. So, so let me ask you about the Doctor Doom thing. The story is it's, and, and Jim Wyatt told it on yesterday's edition of the OTP. Mm-hmm. It's Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell at the College All Star game. At the College All Star game, um, I had another. Guy that played the Jackson State, his name was John Tate. Out of that same 75 draft, John Tate also went with the New York Giants as a walk-on, a free agent. Someone had got hurt in the college all-star game, one of the linebackers, and John McClain, not John McClain, the, co- the coach from SC. John McKay. McKay. Who McKay. later became the coach of the Bucks. But, yes. Mm-hmm. He said, um, we're going to bring John Tate in here. I said, because he was just over in the training camp real close to Soldier Field. So we we was having breakfast. Richard Wood sitting on one end with the newspaper like he is every morning. Howard was sitting over there with the glasses down on his nose, getting preparation, trying to learn all these new fresh, I mean, rookies' names right. and stuff. So Richard said, Brazil, come here. I go over there. He said, I finally found you a nickname. I said, what's wrong with my name now? He said, you need a nickname, man. Just like that. I said, a nickname? What is it? He said, Dr. Doom. I said, where did you get the Dr. Doom from? He said, at the Chicago Tribune. He's looking at the cartoons. Just cartoons. (laughs) And Howard, you know how Howard, as fast as he is, he picks it up and said, young man, I think that that, uh, Dr. Doom fished you. I said, how? He said, take that doom part. I said, doom, doom. He said, death on offensive men. He said, Fisher. <laughs> now, see, for those who are listening to this, Amy knows, but not everybody listening will understand what a big deal Howard Cosell was. was at this moment. <laughs> this is um, this is the rumble in the jungle, jungle time. Right. Uh, this is right around – uh, the, the Foreman Ali, uh, the Monday night, Monday night football, and he did the highlights, and we would beg to stay up to be to, able to see the highlights because I lived in the Eastern Time Zone, so the game started <laughs> at nine, and I or ne- to make the highlights, right? That was huge. It was right huge to make the highlights. Uh, yeah. But Howard Cosell was—I don't know if he was the biggest thing. He was the biggest. He thing. Was, in sports, he yeah. was. At that time. And so he helped give you your nickname. He Gave finalized. He, finalized. he put a stamp on your nickname. Bam, Dr. Doom. Wow. But he would still call me Brazil, but at times he would stick that Doom in there. That's a great nickname. I love it. Because I'm like, y'all knew Mike. I can't pronounce y'all head coach last name. Vrabel. Vrabel. I got a heavy southern tongue. I, I can't say Vrabel. I understand. <laughs> but I can say Mike. That's right. People had problems back then saying, Brazil spelled with an E. What would they call you? Brazili. (laughs) (laughs) 
And you know, you gonna really make my mama mad? Call me Bob Brazil. Bob Brazil. That's not my name. She says his name is Robert Brazil. Doctor Doom took care took care of all of that. That and that is lick against Billy Kilmer. Remember, I got thrown out the first game against Billy Kilmer. Billy shouldn't have pumped two times. <laughs> Third time, he was 15 yards out of bounds in my own. <laughs> I will tell you today, Coach was talking about Dr. Doom and his nickname, and he said every single player today, you should aspire to get a nickname like oh, that. Oh, that's fantastic. I just think that's the – I mean, being in the Hall of Fame is fantastic, but being well, known as Dr. Dr. Doom, Doom. Might, it doesn't might get be, better. It might be as good, <laughs> I got to tell you. The, the jacket, this is the gold jacket? This is my jacket. This the, is my jacket. I'm going to show you why, what it says. I'm going to let you read it. Custom tailored for Robert Brazil, class of 2018, 312. That's me. That's you. For the rest of my life. You're th- I cannot you were be 50, cut. You were 52 in the NFL. You're 312 in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I can't be cut. I can't be traded. I can die and still be three twelve. What happens? <laughs> what happens when you go back to Canton now? I went back a week ago. I went back for the Taste of Canton. Seven hundred people showed up for the food bank. Unbelievable! Those people in Canton, Amy will tell you, they love themselves some Hall of Famers. Yeah. They support everything that the Hall of Famers do in Canton. That's their livelihood. I mean, I mean, it's another place for the Hall of Fame, but Canton. It's an unbelievable story. I mean, the whole story all the way through about you getting there and Walter Payton and the journey and, and everything to have this happen, but to have your folks get to be here for that. Wow. We got a surprise for everybody coming up. Is that the best part? That's the best part of it. You know, my dad was suffering with cancer during that time. and We had a whole lot of tragedy going in the family. And I was always worried because my mom is the backbone of this family. Right. I always wanted both of them to witness me. The gold jacket deal was because, you know, I come from a man-man type of father. I never kiss nor hug my dad. You go to kiss him, he's going to shake his hand. I got you. Gonna shake, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. So I said, if I can get him to Canton, I'm going to only kiss him, I'm going to hug him, and dance with him all at one time. <laughs> and I got that dream. I got that. I, it happened, and it was very emotional for me and very emotional for him to see his son, that the words that he said, son, we made it. I still hear that now, and I got chills when I said, son, we made it. And when you sign an autograph. It's Robert Brazil, H-O-O-F, 18. Wow. Every time. Now, see, now we've told this story. Amy Adams Strunk, we've told the story, and I think if people have been listening to the whole thing, they understand why this is so special for you, and your dad would love this. Oh, my gosh. He'd be so happy. Yes. And so proud. Oh, he'd be proud. He would be, oh, he'd be right in the middle of it. Oh, yes. I was his draft choice. I I, I was his pick. I was the pick. The rest of the others may hate it. But I was his number one. <laughs> <laughs> and our our defense back then, it was lethal. Oh, yeah. I mean, people were totally frightened of us. I well, mean. Greg Bingham still holds the tackle records. People in this part of the country certainly know Steve Kinder, oh, who yes. was a great player. Ted Washington was a great player. Great player. You had Curly Cup. Col- you had Elvin Bethay. Elvin Bethay was 
he was way before his time. Oh yes, he'd be doing national TV commercials right now, like oh, yes. JJ Watt, if he yes. if he played. Thank today. you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. Well, see, I I know this because this is when I got interested in the NFL, so I knew everybody because it was, you know, this is how you became a fan, is you watched every game, <laughs> you know, because there was you had Monday Night Football, you had a couple games on Sunday. But other sports weren't televised. And this was an area where I think the AFL's impact on the overall game drives so much of where this league is today because the AFL's television contract with with NBC was revolutionary. revolutionary. It competed with the NFL. And this became and then Pete Rozelle made it when he when he merged the two. It was very much a television product, which it still is today. It's the number one series on TV. It's why your dad was so important to this process. Speaking of our dad, yep. why can't me and you start this thing today? We got to get him in the Hall of he Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the, I mean, he is the AFC. He's one of the, the I mean, one of the starters. I mean, this guy gave me a job and countless others. You know, if you're going to put something into a league, he should be there. Well, I just think it comes down to the fact that, like you, for what you were to the 3-4 outside linebacker, mm-hmm. there is no NFL today in its present form if he and Mr. Hunt don't do what they do in Thank 1958. You. Thank you. This, what we have today is not here without him. And, I, and, I, and I just like for anybody to be able to show me. I like for him to challenge and show me well, something sure. different. Show me something Because different. if he doesn't get in the boat with Mr. Hunt at that moment, Mr. Hunt's 27 years old. Mr. Adams is 33. They're a couple on. of young guys. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But they were hungry for football. They were. They were. I mean, I, you know, heard all the stories of the early days of, you know, hiding players out <laughs> so the NFL <laughs> wouldn't, you know, find them and – um, you know, you've all heard the Billy Cannon story of coming over f- to dinner to our house and my mother's new Cadillac drove out with him <laughs> and anything to keep him in the AFL. Right. Anything, in- including, I mean, I don't know if people remember that we had the rights to the number one draft choice to, to Joe Namath. And my dad traded that for him to stay in the with the jet to go to the jets Sonny Werblin. so he would stay yep. in the AFL wow because he knew how you know he was going to sacrifice to know because Joe did not want to play in Houston well and New York needed him because the Titans were a very unsuccessful franchise they had changed their name to the Jets and Broadway Joe yes i mean he he transformed all of that but i go back to the Billy Cannon story because you're from the south as i am mm-hmm. And the Billy Cannon was as big a football star as there was in the country because at that time, college football was bigger than pro football. <laughs> at that moment, the, the NFL was way behind Major League Baseball, was <laughs> way behind college football because of Notre Dame and Army and all the great programs. That was shown. And so when your father stole, stole in, in an amazing way and then, won, and then won in court – when he took Billy Cannon away from the NFL, from the Los Angeles Rams, and beat him in court, it put the AFL on the map. Well, it, Bam. Bam. We, you know, people knew the AFL was here to stay. I mean, they weren't going anywhere. So, um, 
he knew the importance of getting those stars. Right. You had to have star power. Like Robert Brazil. Exactly. Exactly. Gotta have a good product. You do. <laughs> this has been so much fun, but as we as we wrap up here, I have one more thing to say to you that you have to understand. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. I understand it. I'm the twelfth one. You are. <laughs> and we're excited. Amy He's Adam, gonna bring us some good luck, I, too. Hey, you're gonna see <laughs> you're gonna see a game on Sunday now. These two teams I, I, are I, I got chill back. I know, man. me too. <laughs> Me too. I told Amy one thing. I said, Amy, I wish I could play for you, but I only have one signing bonus left. <laughs> <laughs> Controlling owner Amy Adams Strunk and the HOFer himself, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Robert Brazil. Thank you. Welcome to Nashville, and uh, thank you for this experience. This has been absolutely fantastic. Every time I come to town, you owe me an interview. All right. All right. I can do thank it. I can, you, man. I can talk thank about you. it for hours. Come on. We can do that. Thank you. That's all good. For Amy and for Robert, I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the OTP.